Thank you, and good morning. I'm Biddy, as you heard, and uh, I'm a member of Above Bar Church, and uh, bring greetings. And it's lovely to be back with you here in Portswood Church. Uh, last year, I think it was pre-recorded, and a few years before that, I was here with you. So it's lovely. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me back and giving me the privilege of sharing this um, wonderful psalm with you this morning. If you'd like to turn back in your Bibles or phones or whatever you're using, I think it would be good to have it in front of you as we go through. So Psalm 111, Psalm 111. And in this psalm, the psalmist uh, is encouraging God's people to do something and then he's giving them and giving all of us reasons why we should do it. So what's the psalmist encouraging uh, God's people to do? Well, we get it, don't we, in that... Uh, whoops, sorry, we've already got it, sorry. <laughs> uh, we've got it uh, in the title of the psalm, in the first verse. Praise the Lord. And of course, praise the Lord is the same word as hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the psalmist is encouraging us to do what we've been doing since we uh, came in this morning and probably we've been doing since we woke up, hopefully since we woke up this morning, and that is uh, part of our lives, praising the Lord. But he says, I will extol the Lord with all my heart. And he begins to committing, committing to praise God. He says, I will extol him. Not I might, not I'll think about it if I feel like it. No, I will extol the Lord. He's going to praise the Lord with all his heart. This is no half-hearted worshiper turning up for the morning service, going through the motions, which I'm sure doesn't apply to anybody here or online this morning. Uh, he means it. And the reason that he can praise God, extol God with all of his heart, is because of what God has done and what God is like. There's so many wonderful reasons, hasn't he, in this psalm for praising God. And he encourages his listeners to join in this paean of praise. Now, if I were to ask you this morning to go through the alphabet and give me a reason for praising God, beginning with each letter of the alphabet, I wonder how we'd get on. A, what would we have? A, admirable, great. B, bounteous, great. C, compassionate. Okay, we could go on. We won't. There are too many letters, but anyway. But you can do it over lunch and do it with the children or do it with the family or whoever you're having lunch with. See how far you can get. But that really is how this psalm is structured, sort of. Um, if you, uh, I'm sure in your Bibles, as in mine, there's a little uh, footnote to Psalm 111, and it explains that this is an acrostic poem. The lines of which begin with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so um, that's the way 
in which the psalmist has written this psalm. But, but why does he do it that way? Um, all the commentaries will tell you that it's an acrostic poem, and there are quite a few of them in the Psalms, but nobody ever actually says why anybody would go to the trouble of trying to uh, write a poem that uh, starts with each succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I mean, it, it's quite a job, isn't it? But you see, to me, that says, well, this is the A to Z of praising God. I mean, isn't that why they do it? Let's begin at the beginning and let's see all the reasons that we can find to praise our amazing God. And this indeed is our God. And uh, he gives us uh, various reasons to commit to praising him. And as God's people, he's, he's writing this to uh, his Jewish readers, the Israelites, but to us in the 21st century. He's encouraging us to commit, to come with that determination, that commitment to worship and to praise our God. Now, we can do that at any time. As I say, hopefully, when we wake up in the morning, we say thank you to God. I often say, oh, thank you, Lord, for getting me through the night, for waking me up this morning. If the sun's shining, it's thank you for this lovely day. If it's raining, it's a bit more difficult, but never mind. But recently, thank you. Praise God for the rain. Give us more if you're gardeners. And um, yeah, so we can do that on our own. We can do it quietly in our hearts. But actually, if we look at this psalm, the psalmist is encouraging the people of God to worship him together when they gather for worship. Look at verse 2. Uh, sorry, the end of verse 1. In the council of the upright and in the assembly. When the Israelites gathered together in the tabernacle, in the temple, to worship God, they were being extolled by the psalmist to uh, worship God together with, uh, with one another. And uh, I wonder when we meet together and come to praise God, it's been lovely this morning. We've been worshiping him wholeheartedly, praising God. But do we always do that? I found it much easier this morning with these wonderful worship songs, having been in Psalm 111 for the last couple of weeks. And it, it's easy to praise God, the sun shining. But I have to admit, I don't always come to church or gather with God's people in that frame of mind. Do you? Sometimes my mind wanders. Oh dear, I wonder how the, how the dinner's getting on. Uh, I wonder if they can all get there. Will they find me when they're coming for lunch? All sorts of things go through our minds. What are the children doing? And, oh yeah, we can think about all sorts of things. But the psalmist is encouraging us uh, to commit to worshipping God, set our hearts on worshipping him. Now, because it's um, an acrostic poem, it does go backwards and forwards a bit. So um, the way we're going to look at it this morning is to look at, uh, first of all, what God has done. To see what God has done, his wonderful works. And uh, the, the writer takes his heroes through what God has done. So really, he's taking them through what God has done for them in their history. Um, and uh, he starts off in verse 2, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. God is the great creator. And he's created all these works for us to 
ponder, to seek out, the King James Version says sought out, um, has caused, um, caused uh, they are sought out by all who delight in them. And in fact, that's why it is so fitting that uh, the Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge, which was the foremost uh, physics laboratory uh, in the world, I think, for 50 years or more, has written over it uh, these words, great are the Lord, they are sought out by all who delight in them. God's works are unfathomable, aren't they? But they are created for us to search out, to ponder, to enjoy. Whether that's the wonders of physics or chemistry, which I must say mostly passes me by, uh, but um, uh, I am very grateful to those who ponder, seek out these things. Whether it's the sky at night, the beauty of the mountains, whatever, uh, that uh, helps us to praise God for his creation. He's caused his works then to be remembered. And uh, this is generally understood to be uh, reminding the Israelites of how God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery and oppression. Uh, the wonders of, of those, those plagues, how they came upon the Egyptians very often, not coming on uh, all of the Israelites. Yes. Right. Okay, fine. Good. <laughs> uh, I hope you're not thinking about that, though. Let's praise God. Praise God for microwaves. Praise God for those who invented them. I'm very grateful to them, aren't you? Uh, they sought out the wonders of God. So thank you. Uh, but uh, God rescued his people from Egypt. He is their great rescuer. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, in verse five, we jump to verse five, he provides food for those who fear him. God is the great provider. Again, this is probably a reference to how God provided manna for the Israelites in the wilderness. They were hungry. They were wondering, oh, they'd had these wonderful meals in Egypt, and now here they were in the desert, and oh, there was nothing to eat, and God provides for them. Morning and evening, this white stuff appears, and uh, they have enough and uh, they rejoice uh, in God's provision. But then they get a bit fed up with that because I'm not surprised really are you. But anyway, uh, and then God sends all those quails and they have meat. They probably got a bit fed up with those too. But never mind, they, they were provided for and they were filled. God provided for their every need. He is the great provider. Uh, the creator, the rescuer and the provider. And then in uh, verse 6, he's shown his power, his people, the power of his works, giving them the lands over other nations. God was the great conqueror. You know, he led them into the promised land. He um, helped them to be victorious over the nations uh, that he was giving them, the lands of whom he was giving to them. He is their great conqueror. And then uh, in verse 9, we come to what is really the climax. He provided redemption for his people. And uh, this, again, I think uh, takes us back, doesn't it, to that uh, Passover, how he rescued them 
and redeemed them from Egypt. Remember how they had to uh, take a lamb that was spotless, a perfect lamb, to kill it and to put the blood over the doorpost. And then when the angel of death passed by, it passed over those houses and they were saved. They were redeemed. They were brought out of slavery into freedom, freedom to begin that long and arduous journey to the promised land that had been promised to Abraham and his descendants. He was their savior and their redeemer. This is our God. That's what he's done. It's not all of it. Okay, it's an A to Z of it, but we could find lots of other words for all the letters that we find, I'm sure, and I'm sure they could in the Hebrew. But uh, these are some of the things to remind us of how great is our God. But what is he like? His amazing character. So if we look again at these verses, we'll see that there are many aspects of God's character that the the writer reminds us of. First of all, in verse um, 3, going back to verse 3, the second half, his righteousness endures forever. God always does what is right. Isn't that reassuring? That's our God. In verse 5, he always keeps his promises. He remembers his covenant forever. He never forgot. The Israelites so often, oh, how they promised that they would obey God. Oh, yes, God rescued them. We've been going through judges in above bar. And oh, you get that wonderful, that dreadful cycle, yes. Uh, the Israelites are being oppressed. They cry to God. God, in his graciousness, which we'll see in a moment, he provides for them. He keeps his promise to them to save them. He rescues them. And they say, oh, yes, we'll follow God. And then they forget, and it goes all through it again. And um, uh, Andrew Page was preaching on um, one of the Judges the other week, and he he reckoned that Judges was one of the most depressing books in the Bible uh, because the people of God constantly forgot their promises. But God never does that. Our God remembers his promises. He always keeps them. He remembers his covenant forever. And then this amazing God is always utterly faithful. Does that come up? Can't see. Yes, (laughs) it's always utterly faithful. Uh, And we see that particularly in verse 7. The works of his hands are faithful and just. And uh, his words, his precepts are trustworthy. This is our God. He is faithful and he is completely trustworthy. Right, okay, well, we've come to the next one. And our God, too, in verse 4, we see that he is gracious and compassionate. Thoughtful and caring, loving, 
and forgiving. So often, don't we, we hear of Moses having to come before God and plead on behalf of the disobedience of God's people. And God is gracious and forgiving. And he is faithful to his promises, to his covenant, and he forgives. And he is completely trustworthy. Verse 7, his deeds and his words can be completely trusted. This is our God. This is what he's done. This is what he's like. And there's lots more. But that's plenty to be going on with, I think, this morning. And uh, it is great for us to remember these things. But do you notice that it is always and forever. It's not just for this Sunday morning when we're looking at Psalm 111 or the weeks when we feel full of prayer. This is forever, always. Notice how many times in this psalm that we get the words forever or eternal. They're there in verse 3, endures forever. Verse 5, remembers his covenant forever. Verse 8, they're established forever and ever. Verse 9, he ordained his covenant forever. And my friends, this is our God, not just Israel's God, isn't he? He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all that we see of our amazing God in the Old Testament is brought into sharp relief in the coming of the Lord Jesus. The Son of God, God incarnate, God in human form. And in his life and death and resurrection, we can see even more clearly, I think, the wonder of our God. All these things that are foreshadowed in the Old Testament come into glorious technicolor in Jesus in the New Testament. And living in the 21st century, we too can enjoy this God, enjoy our God. We can enjoy the wonders of his creation, whether that is through the miracles of modern science, whether it's when you're uh, seeing something beautiful, maybe on your holidays. Uh, I've been in the Derbyshire Dales, in the Lake District, um, in, on the North York Moors. Uh, didn't stray out of England, but beautiful. And the wonders, the beauty of God's creation. We're always seeing those wonderful sunsets, aren't we? If we don't see them out of our windows, we see them perhaps on uh, Facebook or on friends that send them to us. Uh, but this is our God, a wonderful creator. But we experience him too. Day by day, don't we, rescuing us. I prayed this morning that he'd rescue me when the um, AV wasn't working. It was my fault, but our wonderful tech guys uh, got it working. But I was praying, Lord, please rescue me. It was my fault. I was too late in sending it. Well, I didn't send it through. Um, and I had not done it to the... the the uh, PowerPoint to the last minute. Oh, Lord, please. And God rescues us. He's a gracious, loving God. And he provides for us day by day, doesn't he? Yesterday, someone said to me, how are you feeling about the uh, soaring energy costs and about the um, uh, <clears throat> cost of living? My friends, this God has provided for me over every year of my life. I spent over 20 years in Indonesia with OMF, it's a mission partner. Uh, you don't earn a salary, 
People give, you pray to God, God provides. And God always provided for me. Since I've been retired, God has provided abundantly. I replied to her, well, I'm, I'm trusting God. He will provide. Now, that, that might mean we have to dip in and help other people if we're going to get through this next time. We might need to be being aware and compassionate to one another. But God will provide. There is enough. We can trust him. He's our great provider. And in the Lord Jesus, we see, don't we, that he is ultimately the conqueror, the conqueror over sin and death, and he is our redeemer and savior. When John the Baptist in the New Testament <clears throat> saw the Lord Jesus, what did he say? Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We don't have to kill that spotless lamb and put the blood on, our, on our, our doorposts. Jesus has done it all. He shed his blood on the cross so that you and I could be completely forgiven all the wrong that we've ever done. He paid the price. He is our redeemer. I just say at this point, if you've never asked this amazing and wonderful God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be your redeemer, your savior, to forgive all the wrong things you've done, all the bad stuff in your life, to come to him and embrace this God as your savior, as your friend, as your leader, then, oh, don't, don't wait. Can I urge you to come to him and to ask him to be Lord of your life? You'll never regret it, and it's the most important decision you'll ever take. But if we're part of God's family today, then this is our God. So let's praise and extol him this morning. Let's continue to. We've already been. Let's continue to praise him this morning. Extol him for being our creator, our rescuer, provider, our, uh, what do we call, conqueror, and our redeemer and savior, for being a God uh, <coughs> who always does what is right, who always keeps his promises, who is always utterly faithful, is always gracious, compassionate, is always trustworthy. How we, lead, need, how we need leaders like that in our country, in our world. But we've got one. Overall, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this is, or this <laughs> is our God. So what should our ultimate response be to this amazing God? Well, the end of verse 9 gives us a clue. Uh, it says, holy and awesome is his name. We should be in awe of this amazing God. It's great to come into his presence to praise him, but we should be in awe of him. And I think that helps us to understand verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, wi of wisdom. Uh, I think we know that in the Bible, uh, the fear of the Lord isn't something, to, something scary to shy away from. It's something positive and good. It speaks of the attitude in which we approach our holy God. I'm told that the Hebrew, the, the root of the word, actually means obedience to the divine will. And if we want to be wise and understand, uh, understanding and to understand, uh, 
then we need to obey this awesome God, to come to him with obedient hearts, in awe and in overflowing sincere praise. So what could be a more fitting end to this glorious psalm than those last five words? To him belongs eternal praise. Wow. We've begun. Let's continue on into eternity. Amen.